Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 230 of the Mom Hour. I'm Sarah Powers here, as always, with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. We are talking today about what's one more, the realities <laughs> of three plus kid families. I love this because I feel like that phrase is tossed around a lot. Oh, what's one more? What's one more? You know my saying, what's one more pound to an elephant, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, gosh, it feels like we've addressed this over the years in a number of ways. And the reason is we get a ton of listener requests and questions about um, mom's interested in knowing what it's like to grow your family beyond two kids. And we just, we can't speak for, we only speak for our own experience. So it's always like, well, Megan has five. I have three. Those are the choices we've made. And of course you moms listening out there are going to make the, the, the decision for your family. However, I do think people like to kind of peek behind the curtain yeah. um, and, and unpack a little bit about what, what are the realities of having larger families. So that's mm-hmm. kind of what we're going to do today. Um, Megan, before we start, I wanted you to remind everybody, okay, how many kids do you have? And also how old were you when you went from two kids to the next stage? Cause I think that's another like place this in time for us. I'm doing that thing where I'm like looking up cause it helps me think. Okay. So I have five. Um, so I would have been just turned 26 or a little over 26 when my third was born. And how old were the older two as well? They were six and almost six and four. Okay. So you had two kids for a certain amount of years. You were a little under two years apart. Yep. Yep. And so I think that's a lot of our listeners have two kids and kind of contemplate the third. So I thought it would be kind of fun to like paint the picture of where we were before we had three or more. So for me, I had a, actually I got pregnant before my second turned two when I had my third, they were two and a half and four and a half. Um, but I actually got pregnant just before my middle second birthday. So I really still had a one-year-old when I got pregnant with a third. So mine came fairly close. I never had, I didn't have two kids for very long, I guess is what right. I'm saying. Less than two years. I was, tw- no, not 20 anything. I was 30. <laughs> not 20 anything. Nope. That should was, be a hashtag. <laughs> not, no longer 20 anything. I am holding on to 30 anything just by a thread here. Um, when I when I had my third, I was just shy of 32. So, um, I was 31 when I got pregnant, I guess. Um, and almost 32 when I had her. So that was me going from two to three. You went on to have four and five and what's the spacing there. So Owen and Will, uh, Owen is my, so Will's my third. And then Owen was born a little less than, no, a little more than two years later. I always get it confused because the first two are a little less than two years apart. And the second pair of boys is a little more than two years apart. And it always takes my brain a second to get that. Um, and then about three and a half years later had my fifth Clara. And the funny thing about that is that she's the only one who's not a fall birthday. Yeah. 
So she's the only one who's not kind of like an even number apart from the others. She's right. like an and a half. So it's, it always creates a little confusion in my head. So you also had four kids for a, an amount of time long enough to like have an identity as a four kid. Yes. Mom. So as we later, when we start to get into this, I want you to, let's make a note. I want you to talk about that because I think there's an identity shift going from one to two, two to three. And yeah. you had these periods of time where you, you actually had a few years to settle into being a mom of two. And then later a mom of four. And so that'll be interesting to unpack what that was. I like. literally wrote a book about yeah. my experience as a mom of four when I had four. <laughs> and also I had a blog that I ran for a long time specifically for people with like four or more kids. So that was very much my vantage point for a long time. And then you had five. And then I had five and it messed everything up. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and I also, you know how I like to give disclaimers, guys, because I want everyone to feel included. So if you are done at one or two, this conversation is still for you. I think it's really interesting to explore the dynamics of bigger families. Um, but I hope everybody knows we're coming from a place of this is not should you have more or should you not have four? It's not should we have had less or fewer. Right. It's it's more about looking at what life is like with bigger families and what are some of the considerations we've made over the years. And if that helps you, great. And if you are happy with your one or two, we are happy you're here as well. So. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress free and hit our wellness goals with ready to eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite Factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. <laughs> and I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as forever chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Okay, so Sarah, I have got some questions for you <laughs> because not only has it been a very long time since I had three kids, um, but things have changed. So like my memory has gotten a little foggy about what the practical realities are of going mm -hmm. from two to three. But also literally everything has changed. Strollers are different. Car mm -hmm. seats are different. Cars are different. Um, cultural expectations around things like sharing bedrooms or having a bunch of kids out with you in public have for, for sure changed between the time I added my third and the time you added your third. So let's just kind of hammer through some yeah. of those. Talk about like how you get three kids in a car. Well, for most <laughs> of us. they're all in car seats. For most of us, you get a new car. Not everybody. Yeah. Um, the, the great news is 
car seat technology is evolving, car safety technology is evolving. And I do know people who've gotten three across in some kind of a bench seat, but it is pretty car and car seat specific. So you would be tasked with doing some major research if that was your goal. The other common popular option is to procure yourself a vehicle with a third row, which is what I did. And I just have the old minivan. Yes. The old minivan. I love my minivan. I, we, we actually a long time ago did an episode about cars that was really fun. And I, I'm sure I talked about, I just don't have the minivan stigma. I never was a cool car person to begin with. And I, I prefer minivans over large SUVs just personally. I know people love their, their big, you know, Suburbans and Yukons and stuff like that too. But I feel very intimidated driving those type of cars. Whereas my minivan handles great. It doesn't feel huge, but the the ability to pile kids in. I actually think mm. I would have liked a minivan even if I stayed with two kids because we're at ages now where kids have friends and they throw stuff in the back. Um, this is starting to sound like a car commercial, but my third row just, it flattens down really easily. So we have packed so much stuff for a road trip in our car before. Um, and so I think I'm on my second minivan now, but the first one I got when I was about six months pregnant with baby number three. So I was like that cliche. We were that cliche family walking into the dealership with two tiny little kids and a pregnant one and be like, well, we're here for the, we're here for the three kids special. Like give us your, (laughs) give us your minivan pitch. Um, so that's what we did. And it's, it's funny as the, as when you first add the new baby, it's like, where do you put each car seat? And is there a kid who can buckle themselves? Because depending on how closely spaced your kids are, I had a four and a half year old. Luckily she's very tall. And so she was always out of safely out of car seats at, you know, at a younger age than some of her peers. So she could buckle herself, I think in the third row by the time she was almost five when Violet was born. But you know, that is something to consider. It's not just how to fit three kids, but if you have three closely spaced kids, it's likely that you have three kids in five point harness car seats, which means you're buckling and unbuckling. Um, you have to be able to reach them. So the minivan might solve your space Mm. issues, but, but not solve that. Yeah. Yeah. So that is something to consider again. None of this is like good or bad. It's just it's the things that come up. Well, I have driven both a minivan and an enormous um, SUV as a mom with lots of little kids. So I'm going to just weigh in really quick about my preferences. I really loved the minivan. I loved it. Um, I find that they have like a a surprising amount of space relative to the size of the vehicle. Yes. I felt like the SUV we drove a, I had a a caravan for probably five years and then a Yukon for probably about five years. And the Yukon was enormous in every way, but I never felt like the, storage capacity Uh, was like proportionate mm -hmm. to how big it was. Like I always wanted more. And I think it was just a lot was taken up by seats and stuff like that. Yeah. Now that thing fit nine people. So Mm. when I had five kids, we could take extra kids on vacation with us. And we did amazing more than once. So there were some benefits to that. The other thing I really liked about the big old SUV is how the baby, when you're, when you have a little baby is almost like it, like chest height when you're putting them in, it's really easy to get them in. There's not that bend over thing going on. Um, And I know that there was a few times, not my own kids, but there were a few times, like I went on trips, like a lot of time when my kids were little, it would be like maybe Jenna and whatever baby she had in the car seat. And I, and like my two little ones would go on a trip somewhere together. And the nice thing about the Yukon is that you could get three car seats in a row in that bench. And nobody had to climb in the back. Right. Yeah. No, so, that's helpful. Yeah. You know, there's, but they don't, the Yukon didn't have a button that opened the door. <laughs> I do enjoy the button. And the button is super helpful. So again, like there's always going to be a downside, right? There's no car that's perfect for any situation, but I also they have in- their, up, their drawbacks and their benefits. I also <laughs> invested in a remote starter when we lived in Arizona, which would uh, also benefit winter place locations yes. with my third kid. So I could cool down the car from ahead of time from afar in a parking lot. And it was yeah. glorious. I don't care how many kids you have. Everyone should do that. It was like the I'm best actually, $200 we ever spent. I'm Those actually come now, I think in almost all new cars, oh, like that's just good. baked in. At least that's been when I've been looking around, but I'm looking for a car right now. And I almost won't even consider yeah. a vehicle that doesn't have it or can't be equipped with it because it's so important. It's, it's such a lifesaver. Yeah. Um, okay. Talk about housing, okay. housing, housing, housing. So two things. Yeah. Um, first of all, there's the whole do does each kid need their own room? And I'm sure like everyone's all over the map with that. But the other thing is this idea that regardless of bedroom numbers, mm-hmm. like we have a third kid. Now we need more space. I, mm-hmm. I hear that a lot. And I'm wondering how true that 
was for you and whether the bedroom thing was a, a really big deal or not? I honestly feel like it hasn't been true. I don't feel that the amount of space needed from two kids to three has been almost negligible. Um, we have moved once since having our third. The houses are about the same size, but the bedroom situation is different. Um, and, and we did move the older two in. So we had boy girl sharing a room when they were ages three and five. And they did that for about a year and a half. It wasn't very long. They had bunk beds. It was super cute. Um, and the baby had her own room. It was relatively short lived. And then when we moved to this house, it's not really a bigger house, but all the bedrooms are upstairs. Whereas in the old house, someone would have had to be downstairs and they were too little for that. So um, we've net, we're net even in home space. And when we moved here, we also lost kind of like a playroom loft area that was really nice. It was nice to have one area just dedicated to all of the plastic toys and stuff that toddlers have, but that is such a relatively short phase. And I know if you're in it right now, you feel like your house is just bursting at the seams with plastic. And I am here to tell you it goes away very quickly. (laughs) And I have not felt the need to have a bigger house. My kids are physically bigger. Now there's three of them. We don't have a guest room. We don't have an office. Everyone does have their own room. If, if I wanted to like buddy the girls up and have them share a room, I would do that. Um, I just, we don't have a huge need for a a guest room or an office. So it just hasn't become a thing for us. And we don't have, we don't have a lot of like houses here. Don't have basements. We don't Mm. have, um, like bonus rooms. We have a very nice house and it's a perfectly fine amount of square feet. I think it's 25, 2300 or 2,500, but there's not the way it's laid out. There's no bonus space. Like there's no loft. There's no office. There's no den. There's no basement. So things are where we keep a tight ship in terms of what's out. Um, but I, I honestly feel like that phase where you're overwhelmed with plastic is so short. So I haven't yeah. felt the need for a bigger house. Um, we did have a need to share rooms and it was short lived and it's been fine. I honestly, I, this sounds terrible, but I could live in a smaller house with my same three kids. I, I think I could. Well, it doesn't sound terrible Not because terrible, I'm living like, in a much smaller house than you and I have more kids yeah, in it. But terrible is I the wrong word. Like maybe it's, surprising. It sounds counterintuitive. Yeah, and I, you. because I think that there's this like, there is this banging of this drum. Like once you have more than two kids, you have to basically let's pretend you were living in a little house in town. Now you got to move out to like a subdivision that's got like all this space and a big basement. And in my experience, I've lived in little houses and big houses and layout is so much more important than Mm -hmm. the size. Mm -hmm. Um, Sharing of bedrooms has been necessary and not necessary at different phases. And the kids just get over it. Like, yeah, Right now we're in a stage, we're in a stage where like the two older boys, um, the two teenage boys really want to have their own rooms. They have an amazingly huge bedroom, right? Um, much nicer than like what Clara and I both have. They have like their own bathroom and it's a really nice setup, but they share and they'd rather not. And, uh, when we move, I'd like to look around and, and see if I can find something that will accommodate everybody. I mean, that's, it's important to them, but not like a deal breaker mm-hmm. important. You know what I mean? Um, their physical size does make it does make a small space challenging, mostly because the way this house is laid out, it's almost all taken up by bedrooms. Mm-hmm. So it's like three decent sized bedrooms and a basement and then this itty bitty living space. And they're big. Like yeah. these are big boys. Men. We, they're men and we fit. I mean, it's fine. And it's it's actually kind of funny and cozy. But like if you're trying to get from the living room to the kitchen and someone is sitting at the, t- the dining room table that's kind of between the yeah. two, you can't. <laughs> Like they have to scooch in like you, yeah. uh, like I kind of arrange where people sit based on how much relative size they'll um, space they need to use up. And so I don't know, it, it does create challenges. Um, but I guess I would just go on record saying we, most of us need less space than we think we do. Yeah. And like having another kid doesn't mean suddenly you need 30 percent more space. I would agree. It just doesn't that. work that way. And I think <laughs> um, sometimes when our kids are really little you think long-term and you think, well, I want them to have privacy or I want them to have a place to do their homework. And all of those are great considerations, but I would just say as much as I love to plan, you sometimes don't know what you need till you're in that phase anyway. Mm -hmm. So you, the kid you want to have privacy for, maybe they're the only one of that gender or whatever that kid may like not be the type of kid that really seeks out much privacy or like we, you know, I would love some kind of little office or den I don't have it. And I didn't think I wanted Allegra to take a computer in her room for homework because I had this vision of like, I really don't want the internet in her bedroom just yet. You know what? It turns out this year in sixth grade, she truly has no interest in like Googling stuff. She is honestly in there doing her homework. Now that's going to change. I really probably, I I may have to figure out a way, a place for her to do homework that's 
a little bit less of a laptop in the bedroom next year, but I don't know that till next year comes. So it's some, some of this is impossible to solve for. It is. And, um, and a vote in the other direction, I guess, like the house I lived in before this house, one of the big draws that I loved about it was it had this sort of not living room. It was like sort of like an extra room off of the living room that I thought, oh, this will be a great place to sit and read. And then the kids can do their homework in here. And I just had all these ideas for how that space would Mm -hmm. be used. And like no one ever went in it. (laughs) Um, And it was just this room I had to dust basically that had really no purpose. It was so funny because, you know, the nest, um, the thermostat thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Yes. So that the way it works is that it it knows like who's home. Yeah, it's a smart thermostat. It's a smart thermostat. So it knows when you're home. It knows like kind of your family's patterns. It knows like when to shut everything down and when to cool things off and heat them back up and yada, yada. Well, mine was in that room. It literally didn't think we were ever home because no one ever went in that room. So it was just like the heat would turn off just randomly, mm-hmm. like in the middle of the afternoon. I'm like, nope. And I'd have to go stand in front of it and like wave my arms like, hey, I, I'm here. I'm still here. So it's just kind of funny. Like in that case, more space became a liability because right. it was just more to manage more space to take care of right. and pay for and heat that really wasn't being used. Yeah. So yeah, you just don't always know. And you will probably, if you have three or four or five kids, you'll have a phase of time where you feel like you're bursting at the seams with plastic toys. But guess yeah. what? So do moms of one or two kids. I, right. like, I feel like that's like unavoidable. It is. Okay. So along the same lines, car and house upgrading costs money. Um, there are very scary numbers thrown around about how much it takes to raise a kid, like $3,000 million or something per child. So it can make it feel like if I have one more, I'm now like going to go in the hole that much Mm -hmm. more, or I have to earn that much more. So first of all, I mean, I think it's important to remember that those numbers are, are like an average, Mm -hmm. but in your experience, has that been something that is true for you? Can you control it? Do you think it's relative? Like, I don't know. You know, so, so there are times where I, the times where I notice the increased cost of a third kid. So remember there are economies of scale. Is that the right phrase? Like, yes. like, yep. like for buying groceries, for example, in our family, I don't have giant teenage boys yet. Like it just doesn't feel like the one kid added to things like the grocery bill or the housing bill. Like it, yeah. it's we're we've scaled in a way that was mostly economical where I notice it. And these are real considerations is travel. So we yeah. travel to see a long distance family and it's probably one of the biggest line items in our budget. And it has to be. And after they're two years old, the airline does not care. There, there is no scaling. Everyone pays 400, $500 for that ticket to fly across the country. And that's a real that's when I notice that things like Disneyland or like a big ticket yes. um, amusement thing is like, yeah, it's every single, it seems like you think what's a ticket to Disneyland. It's, it's, it's on special. It's $79. It's like, well, that's still $79 times five. That's a right. big, you know, all five of us. So there are times where I notice that cost being like, ah, yeah, we are a, we are a fivesome for sure. But there are a lot of other things that I think, like you said, are, um, distributed, the cost is distributed across many factors for your family and how you budget and how you plan. And it's not like one extra kid is that dollar amount all the time. Does that make sense? I don't think I'm explaining it very well, but no, no, you're, yeah, it's like the, the amount of money it takes to raise three kids, the way you would raise three, isn't necessarily three times (laughs) the amount of money because there are things like food and you probably can fit in the same house you fit in with two. And, and if you do have to, if you do want to, I don't think you have to do anything, but if you did want to, to go into a bigger house, it's not going to be again, a 30% bigger, um, most likely, or 30% more expensive. Um, there's lots of those. There's lots of things like that. I think that what the, I think that the few that come to mind that really, you can't really catch a break on are daycare. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, not permanent, but mm-hmm. it does take a huge bite out of people's, um, out of their budgets. And so, yeah, you're not really going to get a deal on daycare because right. you have three kids unless maybe you're in some kind of situation where you like, you get a discount. Like I know like some parochial schools will do a discount on mm-hmm. the third kid, but not for infant daycare. That's yeah. not probably going to be the case. Um, and school. Yeah, and I know for school. us, yeah. school was like a big thing because what we realized by having five is that we could still live someplace with a fantastic school district and the kids could go to school for free. But that meant there were things we weren't going to do. Like right. there were places we could not live because we weren't able to afford to live in the neighborhood that had the best school yeah. or even a decent school. And we weren't going to pay for five kids to go to private school. Therefore, 
like it made a lot more sense for us to just move to a small town with where yep. we knew exactly where they were going to be yep. and how and that it would be a good school that was free. Yeah. So I don't think any of those things are can't be overcome. Mm -hmm. They just create limits. Mm -hmm. They just create. Uh, they kind of have become like these things that you have to make decisions within. Like yeah, but decision bumpers. That's what I, yeah, that's yeah. where I was going to. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. And I'm glad you brought up private school because both you and I are in public schools. But if that's, yeah. if you're, if you're in an area where tuition is going to be your reality, that's another thing that doesn't scale. <laughs> right. Well, that, and now that I'm, even the fact that I'm living in a town with good public schools means I'm paying more for those good public schools where right. I maybe if I did decide to have a bigger house proportionately, I would then be paying more yeah. <laughs> for the privilege of, you know, so, I mean, it, there's, I just think we make a mistake when we say raising a kid costs X amount and college is a whole nother thing that I don't want to get into. Cause mm -hmm. I don't even really know how that's going to shake out for me, but I think it would be a mistake to say, well, you know, consumer reports or U S news and business report or whatever uh, magazine came out and said, no, it costs $500,000 to raise a kid. And that means it's going to cost 1.5 million to raise three. Mm -hmm. it, it, I don't think it works out that way. I would agree. So um, speaking of things that can feel both finite and measurable, <laughs> but maybe are less than you think, um, how much did adding a third kid throw your schedule off? Like you're big into schedules. Yeah. Adding the third. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think the biggest thing to say here, of course, adding a new baby throws everybody's schedule off for like a year. So let's skip over that whole like that part. But I think uh, from a like a zoomed out perspective, if you have two kids close together, um, it doesn't take you very long to where you're able to do things with those two kids that are relatively the same. Like it's a short period of time. And then you're going to the same places, doing the same things. Everyone's done napping, blah, blah, blah. If your children are farther spaced out or there's more of them, it just creates more logistical scheduling issues. So for me, for what that looked like was I spent several years. I just had a conversation with my friend who just had a fourth baby and she was talking about the logistics of multiple pickups, preschool and elementary school mm. pickup and a napping toddler. And then she has a new baby. Like, so she has like the whole gamut. And I was like, this is just going to be your reality. It was my reality for probably three years where there was a toddler who needed to nap, a preschooler who needed to get picked up and an elementary schooler. And that seems so it's, it seems now so little, but it did affect my life. It, it affected my um, ability to like settle into a daily routine. And it was something I was dealing with on a daily basis. Like these are my realities. And I guess the farther away you get, it seems a little bit like frivolous, like it's not that important, but if you are an at-home parent that it, it can kind of, uh, it's something that affects your day-to-day -day reality and maybe your day-to-day -day mood and your day-to-day -day stress level. So I guess what I would say is the third and then the fourth and then the fifth, it lengthens the amount of time to where everyone is sort of moving at the same pace of life. And mm. if you have five like you, and you've talked about this before, you probably are never really in a phase where all five are moving in the same no. pace of life, but you have sets and we've talked about yeah. that before too. So yeah, it will rock your schedule and it will, um, extend the amount, like it'll extend that window to where you feel like you're moving as a pack. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well that, and I think that, um, you do start to develop a tolerance for chaos, or at least maybe, maybe that's a side effect of having more, or maybe that's the requirement for having mm -hmm. more. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. I don't really remember a lot, honestly, about what our daily schedule looked like when I had five kids, kids under the age of, I guess, 11 and under. Um, in the house. I know that the oldest two were kind of outgrowing the need to have their lives as dictated by me. Mm -hmm. But then as soon as they moved out of that phase, here comes another one, right? Yeah. Like here comes two more. So I just stayed in this kind of controlled chaos state for a very long time. I think I just got really used to it. We'll talk about that in the second half, kind of the emotional side mm -hmm. and how you adjust and stuff. But like, yeah, it is, it's going to change. Um, and it, it will, it will go back in the other direction. There will be a time again when you can control your schedule mm -hmm. and it will just look way different than it does when you have two little kids. Like I, it'll never really look like that again. I think one thing we hear a lot from moms who write to us asking this question is I have to, I can see the light at the, uh, the light at the end of the tunnel in terms of diapers, naps, daycare mm -hmm. costs, all these things. 
is it a, is it a mistake to start all over? And we can't answer that for you, but I'm just validating that's a really common question. Yeah. And and it's not that you're moving backwards. Of course, adding a baby would be moving forward. It would be moving your family forward. But what it is doing is it's saying this is going to be two or three more years till I right. see that light at the end of the tunnel again. And I think that's a real consideration and it's okay, whichever side you land on. And I think we've seen, honestly, I think it's about 50, 50, the moms we've talked to and hear from, like, I think it's pretty evenly split that people, people make that decision, the thing that feels right for them, but just, just validating that that's a very common and normal question. Like, is it going to feel like forever until I can see that light at the tunnel at the end of the tunnel again? Yeah. So much about deciding to have the third or the fourth or the fifth isn't really about the number. It's about the time commitment. Um, and I don't mean the time of hours in the day. I mean, the length of your life, Yes, <laughs> the number of years of your life, you're going to devote to this. And by the time I, we had number four for sure, but then certainly number five, it wasn't like suddenly it wasn't creating more chaos. It wasn't creating a feeling of being like overwhelmed by how many it was more like, Oh, I'm going to be doing this a while longer. Yeah. Right. And just like, just a very different consideration that I think is, it's just interesting uh -huh. to look at it from that um, angle. Yeah. So we are going to need to wrap up here soon. So I want to really quickly talk about things like travel. Cause you mentioned that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, restaurants, fun and diversion. Everything is more expensive. Everything yeah. is more complicated. Hotel rooms. Like what about when you're supposed to only have four in the room, but like, of course you're not going to put like one of your kids in their own room. So well, I want, how have you worked that out? Yeah. So our, we have a kind of our hotel travel pretty much down. We haven't gotten pushed back by adding one roll away. So for us, two queen beds and read in a roll away because he kicks at night and everyone agrees, including him, he needs his own bed. Right. Um, or some kind of pullout couch. But I'm very curious about you because you really would have been like pushing the hotel rule limits. Like, whereas yes. I feel like people don't, they're okay with five in a room with, well, they just bring us a cot. But what yeah. about you? So we did a ton, like we did a lot of traveling when we had um, particularly when we had four um, young kids and a little bit when we had five, because I was doing travel writing. So it was mostly road trips. We did mm -hmm. a lot of travel in the Midwest, um, but we stayed in a lot of hotels. Um, and I, we lied. <laughs> <laughs> we lied. Like there was no getting around it. Like we weren't going to book another room. We knew we weren't going to trash the room we were in. I understand why they have these rules. But again, like, what am I going to do with my 10 year old? Yeah. I'm not putting him in his own room. I'm not going to sleep in a room without not in my husband's room. Yeah. I'm not going to pay for two nights of yeah. two rooms. So um, we did we did that sometimes. We also went with a lot of VRBOs. OK, um, we did a lot. We would look for suites, places that had two beds mm -hmm. plus a pullout couch that yep. typically solved the problem. Um, so usually we didn't have to, like, actually lie. But every now and then we would find ourselves in a situation where it was like, Mom's going to check in and dad and the kids are going in the side door <laughs> or I'd have like two kids with me as a decoy. And, and then would you do yeah. three boys in one bed? Like if you if, if all you could get was two queens, would you do three little boys in one bed and you guys in a little in the other? Um, yes, it was typically or sometimes there'd be a cot, but three little boys in a bed fit very well for a long time, uh -huh. especially a queen bed. And they liked it. Um, we let them have control of the TV. And these were also we weren't going to these hotels to hang out. Yeah. We were going at the end of a long day when we'd been doing a whole bunch of other stuff. This was just for sleeping. And then like a lot of times the next day we'd be moving on. So it, we weren't in it for comfort exactly. It was more like, okay, so three boys lined up or sometimes one at the foot end, uh -huh. you know, so and cute. then, yeah, the little would be in bed with us. And sometimes we'd add a cot. Um, okay. But yeah, I mean, that was just a time that was like a brief window of time when it was kind of a hassle. Yeah. Um, otherwise like everything else just is more expensive. I don't really know. Like if you're careful about things like restaurants, you can definitely like, even now when we take the kids, um, cause John and I still get together about monthly to take the kids out. We mm -hmm. just find a place that has like half price apps between mm -hmm. four and six. Like that's their happy hour special. Yeah. The kids will actually be like, Ooh, who's having a happy hour. <laughs> and people <laughs> probably find that a little strange yeah. for a kid to ask, but they love it because they know they're kind of getting away with something too. Cause we're going to yeah. eat like pigs and it's going to be, you know, half price apps. But you can work that system if you just you just have to think of everything differently. You just have to think I am not going out with me and my spouse and a baby. I am going out with, you know, my spouse and I and three or four or five kids. How do I where do I go that has deals for kids? Where do I go where the food is going to be less expensive? Mm -hmm. You start to realize that any place that's going to charge you eight dollars for a kid's meal that your kid's not even going to eat. It's yeah. probably just not worth it. And you'd be better off getting pizza. Like yeah. those kinds of decisions you end up making and you get good at the economics of them, but it, it does take some time. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think um, I've never felt, at least with three kids, I've never felt like 
going into a restaurant is prohibitive for us either because of the chaos factor or the cost factor. But I think we've just made intentional choices about when we go, where we go, what the eight, you know, who we take. We didn't eat out a lot when I had a one, three and five year old. It just wasn't very fun. We'd always try in the summers in Arizona. It'd be so hot. We'd be like so desperate for things to do. And we'd try and go to like four o'clock dinner at like, I don't know, Chili's or something. Yeah just to get out of the house. And I always regretted it. It, it just sucked for uh, those few years more because of the chaos factor, but then the cost yep. feels like a burn because it wasn't fun. You know what I it mean? It wasn't like, fun. And the kids didn't even finish their food right. and it was crappy food to begin with. I, I remember having that moment. And I think it was when William was a baby and looking like across the table and just saying to John, like, this isn't fun anymore. We keep trying to make this yes. fun, but right now this isn't fun. We need to stop doing it. Let's just order pizza or get subway or something and bring yeah. it to the house. Or go to someone's house and like eat at their house. Like if what we want is to be out and to socialize, Mm -hmm. there's other ways to do that. And so we also took a big detour from going out to eat for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't miss it too much, I have to say. And now we all do it. We do it now and you do it now and it's back in our life. It comes. Yeah, it comes back. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. We are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. Megan, we both try to make healthy choices, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to sort through fact and fiction when it comes to supplements and vitamins to figure out just what they're doing for us. That's why I'm glad Ritual keeps studying their products and sharing the results, especially as it relates to women, since women are the focus of all Ritual's products, including the Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin. And the results are super reassuring. Just as an example, Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin is made with high-quality and traceable key nutrients in clean, bioavailable forms with nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Plus, they are leading the industry when it comes to sustainability. They use lower carbon packaging and prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients. That kind of thoughtfulness really matters to me. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start Ritual or add the Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. All right. So we're moving into what I'm going to call the softer side of these questions. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I thought it would be helpful maybe to start with our family of origin and this family size we grew up with. So longtime listeners, you may know this, but newer listeners, you don't. So Megan, tell us about your family of origin and kind of maybe how that feels as now a mom of five. Yeah. So I, people have, will always ask me, did you think that we were going to have five kids? Like, was that a plan? And I remember even as a little kid saying, I wanted to have either four or five. Um, I had, I have three siblings. My mom and dad had a baby who passed away very young before I was born, but I always in my mind kind of identified myself as one of five. Like for some reason that was just part of my like kind of family identity. I was the youngest of a family that had had five. Yeah. Your mom. Yeah. Your mom had five babies. Mom had five children. Yeah. Had five babies. And then my, um, my family also included several step siblings. So then it was even more like, you know, I had a stepbrother I grew up with. They added a, they, they, my parents, they, uh, my dad and stepmom 
had a baby when I was actually 20 and her and Jacob are three months apart. So it's very strange to think of her as a sister, but she is my half sister. Mm -hmm. So like, I've always, I kind of came from a big family. I felt really good about that. Like to me, that felt like a very positive thing in my life. I always liked being surrounded by people. I have very fond memories of the time that I spent with them, particularly because my parents divorced when I was little. So a lot of my sort of preteen and teen years Um, And also because my siblings were so much older, they were all moving out of the house and going off to college and starting their lives and stuff. So I didn't really have the experience of having like a super big family after the age of like six or seven or so that Mm -hmm. I was actually living with. And I think I had a nostalgia factor. Like it it was like like, a nostalgia. Like I think that I remembered those as being like the gravy days when I was a little baby. And I loved the feeling that I had grown up in that. And then as they started peeling off and like kind of doing, doing their own lives and things and they were moving out, I wanted that back. And so. Um, and I could keep, I was kind of a lonely kid in a lot of ways, actually, too. So I think that was definitely um, inspired that. And mm-hmm. I know you came from a family of three. So that was normal for you, right? Yeah, it felt normal. So one thing that I think back on is so my brother and I were eight and six when our sister was born. So becoming uh, one of three didn't happen until I was eight and a half. So I have a very clear memory of it. And it also felt really cool. It felt like we were. I don't know about the demographics of where I grew up. It felt like there were a fair amount of three kid families, but it was expensive where I grew up. So I think there was a lot of two kid families and there certainly were not very many, very few large families. I mean, I can think of the ones that there were, but that's because they were rare. It was not, it was not average to have four or more. That was true for me too. It felt like joining kind of a cool club to be, to have a much younger sister. I, I carried her around as a baby. It felt like this cool club we were entering. And I don't, I mean, that's just how I perceived it at eight. Another eight-year-old might've thought this is so lame. Now we have a baby now, but I think because I remember it so well, um, I really identified the kind of specialness of becoming a family of five. Um, and, but what's funny is when we were early married and people would ask, I always said more than one, less than four, which is first (laughs) of all, yeah, it's just a weird thing to say. And two or three, (laughs) yeah, it's two or three. Um, And as soon as I had my second, I knew I wasn't done. And that was like a real clear, clear feeling. So three felt very normal pretty quickly, I guess. The only difference is when we were very first married, I thought maybe I would just want two. Um, But as soon as I had two, I knew I wanted three. And I, you know, I thought we might wait longer and space them out more like my family had. But then I just wanted to get it over with. So yeah, no, I, um, get I wasn't very conflicted about it, I guess. I, and I know I've talked about that before on the show. Well, and I have two points to make about that. Hey, wasn't that the plot line of Ramona forever? Doesn't her mom have a baby when she's eight? I feel like yeah. I've read like well, when you I, were saying, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I've read this. So we, yes. And I have reread those books to Violet more recently. And I think we've done the math. I think Beezus is, so the difference in the oldest, oldest to the baby yeah. is more like 11 or 13. It's like really wide. Bit, yes. And then from, yes, from Ramona to the baby, I think is probably about what I was. Yeah. I love, I loved my baby sister. I still love my baby sister. And she's, she's very adorable even now. She's so I, not a baby. I can imagine why she's not a baby anymore. She has a baby, but yes, like yes. just two babies. Yep. The other thing I was going to say is I think what I hear from you, this, this sureness, and we've talked about this before. And I don't want to get too much into it, but the sureness about whether to have another, some people have it and some don't. Exactly. And even for me, I, there were moments when I had two and I was really young and I was trying to like figure out what I was going to do with the rest of my life. There were definitely moments when I, the whole idea of having four or five seemed a lot less appealing because I was overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And I also kind of had this feeling like, well, if I stop now, I'll be done by the time I'm like 30, like they'll be almost out of the house by the time I'm 38. Mm -hmm. And that was appealing to me for a a hot second. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Yeah. yeah. Like I could literally be now at 42 just like traveling the world. It's kind of crazy to think about. Um, I'm glad that's not my reality, but there were moments where I was like, dang, like, well, I had kids really young. Maybe I can kind of reap the benefits. Um, The irony is because I had kids so young, I'm still only going to be 49 when they're all adults. And so that's still pretty pretty young to have five kids (laughs) and have them all at the house. Yeah. And it gave you the opportunity to keep going. Um, We should say that we have had two, three episodes on this topic of being done and feeling like you're done. So I will link them all up if you're new to our show. And that's something you're thinking a lot about. Um, we'll link up where you can go listen. We've told more yeah. about those stories. Um, so let's just talk about some of the emotional realities to being a mom of many. And I'm going to lean hard into your mom of fiveness here because I think it's even more, it's just more exaggerated than what I would have experienced as a mom of three. So 
Um, I want to talk about this idea of feeling needed and important because I think there's pros and cons and I would love for you, you're an Enneagram too. And Mm -hmm. so you get a lot of your value and worth uh, by being needed, right? Isn't that one of kind of the hallmarks Mm -hmm. of it too? So talk about both the pros and cons of that um, as a mom of five and what that has felt like from an emotional point of view. Well, I think that I really got a big rush out of the specialness you mentioned of being, you know, one of three or Mm -hmm. having three. Um, there was something about having five that felt both special and like, also like, look at how much I'm nurturing. Like I'm nurturing so hard right now. And there are, there are so many people who need me and love me and like, love me back. And like, so that for me is like a drug in a way, Uh um, except they just need you so much. (laughs) Like they don't just need you emotionally, which I could do all day long. They also need you to do stuff for them. And they also need you to take them to the dentist. And they also need you like there's these two sides of being needed. And I don't always love when people need me to take care of details in their lives. I've Mm. often thought I would have been a fantastic like lady, like in the aristocracy (laughs) where someone else took care of all that stuff. And then I just got to like talk to them and play with them Uh and like hear all their little problems and things and be like that sort of head of the household where everyone looks to me for sage advice and stuff like the matriarch. Yes. I think that I embody that role very naturally. And I think sometimes, um, and I do think I dealt pretty easily with the inconveniences of parent, of parenting young kids, like messes never bothered me. I was pretty chill about poopy diapers, like stuff like that. It really didn't rattle me, but it was just this feeling like, when am I going to get to think about something that I want to think about? Like all I'm thinking about is all the stuff you guys are doing. And I feel like I'm just trying to cram so much into a day. And be, and when things like the emotional nurturing started to fall off the radar because mm. there was so much other stuff, then I would feel bad about that and yeah. feel kind of guilty. A lot of my guilty, like if I have any mom guilt going back in time from that really chaotic time, it's not because like, you know, there, the house was a mess or because like I forgot the dentist appointment or I was always the mom running late. That stuff didn't bother me so much. It would be like, oh, did I spend enough time yeah. with this kid today? Did I answer their questions? Did I brush them off? Did I like mm-hmm. that stuff would really get to me. So that was definitely a double edged sword. Talk, I loved it, but it was overwhelming. Talk about the challenge of meeting emotional needs of your kids. Um, I know we just did this episode on equal and fair, but I know another yeah. another common fear of moms having number three or four or five is uh, logistics aside, will I be able to give them what they need emotionally? Did you ever feel that in the moment? Um, Sure. Like just a squeaky wheel was getting all of your emotional capacity. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting is I don't feel that way typically about more than one kid at a time. And I don't know that I would feel any differently if I had to. Oh, that's interesting. So like, I don't, I feel like it's usually one kid that I'm thinking, I don't know, like they're being really quiet or are they getting short shrift or am I? So it's like more like I'm not giving the group what it needs. And one person in that group is just kind of like their heads popped up a little above the rest. <laughs> so it's more general than like specifically I'm not giving sp- each specific kid what they need. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm better at kind of lumping them together in that way. And I mean that as a positive thing, yeah. um, like as a unit is the unit getting what the unit needs because if one person in the unit isn't getting what they need, then the unit really isn't getting what it needs. And so yeah. that's, but like on the other side, let's examine that the fact that like siblings don't just add five times as work. So it's not like, you know, we talked about the economies of scale that mm-hmm. happens emotionally too. You don't parent five kids the way you would parent one multiplied by five times. It's mm-hmm. not five times as hard to have five kids as it is to have one. Um, a lot of that is because siblings tend to create a buffer. They absorb some of that emotional and mental energy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's especially true as they get older. I used to joke with my kids, like, what do you think I made you all these brothers for? Like, <laughs> I'm trying to get something done. Go like, talk to them, go play with them. And they, they took that, they knew it was true. Yeah. And I don't think it like offended them that, yeah. you know, with Claire, it was a little bit different. She was more my mini me and my sidekick, but that's okay. Because by the time she was old enough to be that the boys had formed this like pack and yeah. they'd grown, like they'd grown into that. Yeah. And so she and I had a lot of space to be together in a yeah. different way. So, um, so there's that. And I think that people also, and this is more about, not necessarily about the, uh, one person, like the squeaky wheel, not getting what they need. But I think just in general, people will look at that hardest parenting moment they ever had 
and then imagine that times five, but that's not how it plays out. Oh, that's such a good point. That is- it's not like you're going to have five toddler, like willful toddlers <laughs> with a cold running around <laughs> all at once. It just doesn't like everyone's in a different place. Yeah. Everyone's needs ebb and flow and shift. And like you find yourself finding them on their level, wherever they are. And then you just have to get good at acknowledging that you're also shifting in and out of phases and like your level's not going to always be like you can't bring your A game every single day as a mom. Um, and it does feel a little more fraught when there's more kids that are affected by that. But I, I think yeah. like everything you just said was so on point. And I also just want people to remember that we are living in a time where emotional responsiveness and almost emotional caretaking of our kids is something that's held up as really important, which I think is wonderful because you know, a long time ago, parents didn't nurture and listen to their right. kids in the same way. However, that's kind of, that's an, something we aspire to. It is not, it is not, I don't think it's your role to be like emotionally there for every moment of every kid of every struggle. Like some of like what you said, some of that is going to happen as a family, as a group, as the yeah. unit. Um, so sometimes we might be, we might be imagining a level of uh, need that isn't really accurate as kids, you know, as, and as they learn resilience grows. from that yes. figuring stuff out. Like we are not, um, our, we are not acting in the role of therapist for all day long for every kid we have. That's, that's <laughs> like, what I meant to say. You just yeah, said it, like, like, yeah, you said it we're better. not their therapist. It's, it's just that we can't be that on all the time. Not only because we can't, but also because that's not the role we're in. Like we're, we're in a family, you know, yeah. we're, we're not professionals. Like we're not, our, our job, we're not in a career path where it's our job to figure everything out for them emotionally and help them figure out everything yeah. emotionally. It just doesn't work. It can't work. Yeah. And yeah, which doesn't mean don't take it seriously. Like right. your emotional needs are very important and we obviously do, but we tend to put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Agreed. We'll talk about um, we, mom confidence. That's kind of like yeah. a phrase we use on this show a lot. Talk about how that, did you get more mom confidence the bigger it got or yep. did you feel more in the weeds? Mm, both. Okay. I felt more in the weeds. I realized how able I was to pull through things and Mm -hmm. how unimportant some of the things I had always thought were very important actually were Mm -hmm. and how everything would pass. Like you just, I mean, this comes with time too. So it's hard for me to separate the two. Like, did I become more confident as a mom? Cause I was just doing it longer and had that, the muscle memory of having come through things. Yes, for sure. And it would have happened with one or two kids or three or four. But because I also had this super added, like, you know, factor of publicly walking around parenting as a mom with a huge family all the time, it made me almost feel like I had to fake it till I made it. Mm -hmm. Like I was out, you know, I don't know what I'm doing, but I better act as though I do. Otherwise, (laughs) like I look, I make big families look bad. And I really took that very seriously. Like I really didn't want people to look at me and think she's a mom who had a whole bunch of kids. And she can't hack it. Or I would never do that because look at that chaos. I wanted it to look easy. Yeah. I made it look easy. And somehow by doing that, it became easier. I really love that. And you've talked on the show before about how that became almost like a team effort. Like the kids were behind it too. Like let's, let's show these people what an awesome big family we are. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It became part of Show what we're made of. Show what you're made of. Well, um, this is related to tolerance for chaos, which you mentioned. Um, but Tolerance for chaos is also related to kind of like your own mental health and overwhelm yeah. and, and exhaustion. So I'd like to tie all of those together and really talk about mental and physical health. And the chaos is just a contributor to those things. Yeah. Um, but how did that look for you? And how did you figure out how to manage your mental and physical health during, you know, parenting five little kids? Um. I think that were I doing this now at my age, if I had a house full of younger kids, um, especially as a divorced mom, blah, blah, blah. I think there are things I would just have to let go of. I don't think I would have been able to do the things I was able to do in my twenties because then it didn't like my sleep schedule didn't really bother me that much. And Mm -hmm. like I could, I could really run on very little sleep. I didn't really exercise. Like there's just a lot of things I didn't have to do to take care of myself in my twenties and early thirties that now I absolutely need. I'm not saying I wouldn't survive it or like I wouldn't be able to get through it. I just think that I would have had to like really cry uncle earlier Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, and really like probably also 
create some structures around things that I didn't feel I had to in my 20s. Now, this is me looking back from Mm -hmm. the vantage point of having been a mom for almost 22 years. And a lot of this is behind me. A lot of that chaos is past. Um, So I don't know if it's just me like looking back through rose colored glasses or what. I definitely felt pretty in control most of the time with some big exceptions. Mm -hmm. And I think now I would want there to be less uh, roller coaster. I'd want there to be less flip-flopping back and forth. I think I'd, I'd need things to be a little bit different. And I don't, and that could also be that now I've just become used to how things are now. Mm-hmm. Like I, it's not maybe just age. It's also that my kids' lives are so routine mm-hmm. and structure oriented. I get lots of time to myself now, um, all these different things. So now looking back, I'm like, how did I survive that? And sometimes you just dig in and you just do it. And sometimes I think, eh, I don't know. I could have made better choices. (laughs) So I don't know. Like, do you remember, do you remember times of emotional struggle when you were in that, um, in those early years where things felt too hard or overwhelming? I think I was not honest with myself. Okay. I think that I was so faking it till I made it, putting on the stiff upper lip. I think that it probably manifested in ways that didn't look like stress to me at the time or didn't feel like I was overwhelmed. Um, and I will also say that there were times of my life when like in my twenties in particular, I feel like everything was a little more chaotic in my thirties after Clara came, actually, I really hit a nice stride where my sort of natural, I don't, I don't have not diagnosed with ADD, but I definitely have tendencies in that direction of having a hard time organizing my thoughts, having Mm -hmm. a hard time organizing my time in my day. I had kind of grown past that. I'd figured out workarounds and structures that worked for me. So my thirties after Clara came along, actually feel very smooth, even Mm -hmm. though I had more kids. Mm -hmm. Um, I had some older kids. I had kind of, I had simplified my life. Mm -hmm. I had moved to a place where I had family nearby and the school system was easy. And like, I had just, I had set my life up in such a way that everything worked really well. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I would say Clara's babyhood and toddlerhood and preschool years were actually some of my most satisfying as Mm -hmm. a mom and Mm -hmm. most, and felt the least chaotic Mm -hmm. to anyone looking in, they'd probably think it was total chaos. (laughs) But for me, you know, so I think during then I was doing pretty well. I think probably in my twenties, I was more stressed out than I let on even to myself. And I don't know how, like looking back, I don't know what the cure would have been. Right. And it's so hard to parse out circumstance, age, um, the personality dynamic of a child and you, and there's like, there's so many factors, but I will just weigh in and say that I, my third kid was the hardest pregnancy, hardest baby. Um, and the years when that third kid was a young toddler, like a one to two in the middle was a pretty challenging preschooler were very emotionally stressful for me. Um, And so the same period where your youngest was where it felt like you were getting stuff together was hard for me. Mm -hmm. So whatever your experience is, it may not have to do with the number of kids. It might be the the personality dynamic of parenting those children or Mm -hmm. the age spacing or other life circumstances. You brought up moving to a town where you had family. And we didn't mention that in the first half and we should have, but the ability to get help and ask for help and have reliable childcare, whether you're working full-time or at home full-time or somewhere in between is like, there's a huge direct correlation, I think with stress level and mental health. And it can't be overstated that that's not, it's not everybody's reality, but it's a huge consideration. I have many friends who have said, I would totally have had more if we had family nearby and they don't say it like it's disappointing or it's a mistake. It's just a fact, a reality factor for a lot of people. If you have immediate family, grandparents and, and willing helpers surrounding you, um, adding more kids is a different picture than if you have nobody. Yeah, for totally. And you know, I think about that, whether it's family or just people that become kind of like your family, but having those go-to people, I mean, that's not something that just, that you just kind of like outgrow the need for, um, in little ways. I was just thinking yesterday, I had, it was like five o'clock in the afternoon. Dinner wasn't going to be for like another hour and a half. And I really wanted to like go see this friend and, but it's one of my evenings that I have the kids with me and stuff. And I would have felt really like guilty leaving Clara at home, Mm -hmm. even though it's an hour and she's 10 years old and she can handle it. She just really likes her time with me. But then she happened to say, could I go play with Ruby? Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, yeah, because I have people that I can just 
drop Clara off with for an hour. She's happy. I get my hour. I go pick her up. It's no big deal for anybody. And like that kind of flexibility has Mm -hmm. been huge. Now, even though my kids aren't so small that I couldn't leave anyway, like it it takes care of that emotional caretaking. Like Mm -hmm. I want to make sure she's taken care of and happy um, and not being short shrifted because I want to go do something else. And so, yeah, it all counts. Yeah, no, I agree. That's important. And um, also you, you mentioned how hard your first year of Luna or Luna, <laughs> you know, Violet. my niece Luna yes, yes. is very similar to Violet. Yeah. And sometimes I mess them up in my head. Um, but keep in mind too, that you had two little kids Yeah, and Violet is ultraviolet. Yeah. And in my case with my youngest, she was extremely chill, probably my most chill kid ever. And the boys were big. Yeah. It was just like night and day. It couldn't, they're not yeah. even comparable. Yeah. So no, it makes a big difference. Um, well, before we wrap, I was hoping you would kind of look back and think about when you were pregnant or expecting the third, fourth and fifth, and you can kind of lump them together. But what were some, when you didn't know what it would be like to have a big family and you were going from this place of two to more, what were a couple of things you worried about and what were a couple of things you look forward to? Um, okay. So I worried about just literally being outnumbered. Like Mm -hmm. when I had two little ones and was like, I can barely get through the store. Uh, like if I try to change a diaper, like the other one might run away. I, I really thought I'm going to have a third and I won't have enough hands yes. to grab them. And you know what? It worked it well, itself out. I mean, there weren't, it's not like there weren't moments where I was, I felt that way, but for whatever reason, it wasn't as big of a deal as it, um, as it, that I thought it was as I made it in my head. And then I worried about giving each one enough individual attention. Mm-hmm. Um, I worried that I remember crying mm-hmm. when I, but I did that when Jacob, when I was pregnant and I had little Jacob, I cried mm-hmm. because I just thought I'll never be able to do this. And then you just kind of do, do it, I guess. Um, I definitely look forward to watching them all grow up together and kind of scrap through life together. Like that's like my siblings are very important to me. And I think that I wanted that for my kids. And mm-hmm. so I, I loved that idea that they're kind of almost like going to, it sometimes team up against me. Like sometimes yeah. they're going to be on a team um, that I am not in like a yeah, club. I'm not invited to be part of. Outside yeah. of you. I like and that. I really like that because they're going to outlive me. And mm-hmm. when I'm gone, they'll have each other, which I love. Um, and then I, I also just looked forward to like having lots of people around. I like having lots of people around and the idea that that would be something I would have forever and ever. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it wouldn't just be for a few years when it's chaotic, but that our family would grow and excuse me. Mm-hmm their families, they'd create families and their families would grow and it would just create this big, I just like that idea. Yeah. So yeah. I love that. What about you? Um, well, I think very similar. I also remember worrying that I would be out of hands. Um, I think the simple answer to that is however old your oldest is when you have that worry, they are not going to stay that age. So mine was four (laughs) when mine was four, when I got, when I had Violet, she didn't stay for very long. Two months later, she was five. Then she was in kindergarten full day. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, it's like you said, like you're imagining, you know, 10 toddlers with runny noses or whatever. It's not <laughs> yeah. the, the hands fullness that you are at this moment is never going to be exactly the same. So you, yeah. you, your hands free up, I guess. Um, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of the same of what you said. I, I mean, I, I really anticipated each of those pregnancies and new babies really mostly happily, but, but with a a healthy share of like, what am I going to do? Like how is the baby, especially when you have your third, you now you have two kids. So there's a baby. My, my baby was two. So how is that baby now going to be a big brother? That's like, it was, yeah, it's kind of mind boggling. Um, yeah. Well, I have a couple cue it up recommendations. That's where we uh, recommend a, an episode from the archives that you guys might want to check out after listening to this. And I actually have two, I couldn't choose. Um, my first one is called adventure as a family value, and it's only a few months old, but we have a lot of new listeners and it's my favorite episode. I think we've done this year, 2019. Wow. That's a big it. statement. Cause we've done a lot. We have done a lot <laughs> and the year's not over. Um, but it's such a fun conversation about what we aspire to have in our families in family culture. And because big family is part of your family culture and being a family of five is part of mine. I think it would be a fun extension to this. And especially if you're in the weeds with little tiny kids, it's really fun to think about. So it's called adventure as a family value. It's episode 213. It's from June of this year. Um, and then the other one from also from just this summer is an interview with Natalie Taylor and she is a certified financial planner and she talks about, um, planning for the future and living your values. And when we were talking about finances in the first half of the show that popped into my head as she just gives really very, um, encouraging ways to think about 
um, planning for emotional things like adding a child or moving um, with a look at your finances as like not this thing that like everyone has to make the same decision. Cause like you said, Megan, it costs $500,000 to have a kid or whatever, right. but rather like what, do, what are your core values as a family and how can your finances support those things? Um, so I thought that would also be a good one. Um, if you're interested in that side of the conversation and I will link them both up in the show notes for this episode. I love that. And, um, also don't forget to check out our sponsor Kiko USA. That's C H I C C O because they've got these awesome car seat products. And if you are planning to add another baby or, (laughs) you know, whatever's going on in your family planning, they're offering our listeners 20% off a car seat or travel system. If you use the code MOMHOUR at KikoUSA.com, that's C-H-I-C-C-O-U-S-A.com. Use that code MOMHOUR and you're going to save 20% off your next car seat or travel system. It's only going to last until November 8th. So get on that now. I want, if you guys buy a car seat and then you get pregnant with your third, or if you are pregnant with your third <laughs> and you use that to buy your next car seat, I want to know about it. Email Me us, too. All right. This was fun, Megan. Thanks everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction, and Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I started a Substack last spring just kind of as an experiment, and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mama or listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N francis.substack.com.